0: Story 4 of The Dwarf's Chamber and Other Stories by Fergus Hume this librivox recording is in the public domain story 4 the tale of the turquoise skull part 1 this story has been told by three different men each has embellished it according to his fancy and constituted himself the hero i object to these egotistical pilferers for i am alone entitled to tell in the first person the tale of the turquoise skull should any one question my right to this principal role i can point out that the forefinger of my left hand is missing that loss substantiates my statement i should like to know if these other 3 storytellers lack the forefingers of their left hands if not they stand convicted of plagiarism when harry carstone and i went to the usa on a shooting excursion we intended to strike for the rockies it was by no deliberate design that we found ourselves at zacatecas by a series of accidents which need not be set forth here we drifted aimlessly southward from new york we travelled to new orleans thence took ship to vera cruz and as a natural consequence we terminated our journey in mexico city and here we should have remained had not fate by her favourite device of feminine influence lured us or rather one of us to zacatecas if harry had not followed lola tepiaca from capital to province he might now be alive as it was he left mexico city for zacatecas where he found lola the turquoise skull and a grave i came out of the affair with my life and the loss of a finger to save harry i would have willingly given the whole hand but it was not to be and although i punished lola for her evil deeds such reprisal was but poor compensation for the death of my college chum ostensibly we sought zacatecas in the mining interest but i gave up my time to sight-seeing and harry spent most of his with lola only once did i accompany him to her dwelling then seeing that i was an inconvenient third i went no more as for lola she usually smoked cigarettes in a grass hammock swung on the azotea while harry sat at her feet and talked i guessed what formed the gist of these conversations from my friend's flushed face and sparkling eyes at their conclusion and judging that such trifling was unwholesome i ventured a remonstrance which he promptly resented experience should have taught me the futility of interfering you can't marry the girl said i impatiently she is half indian and wholly diabolical harry drew his brows together as was his habit when annoyed i remembered that sign of temper at eton when he went up for punishment still he answered temperately enough i know she is a half-caste but she is not the-the other thing isn't she though if ever i saw evil in a woman's eyes you need say no more frank he interrupted hotly it is shabby to speak ill of a woman behind her back i will say it to her face if you like harry believe me she is no good and she will certainly get you into trouble i can take care of myself i am no fool you are a man at all events i retorted and all men are fools where a woman is concerned do you intend to present lady carstone with a half-caste daughter-in-law that is neither here nor there said he sulkily and turned on his heel to intimate that my interference was uncalled for later on he left the hotel to call on his venus pandemus having been thus rewarded for my mediation i walked to the casa de la estrella to visit fray benito he was a dominican monk of archaeological tastes with whom i had foregathered shortly after my arrival at zacatecas his monastery named after the star of bethlehem was a peaceful old dwelling with courts and corridors a wonderful chapel and an extensive library when fray benito was not praying in the chapel he was reading in the library and here i found him wrestling with the crabbed latin of a priestly author our friendship was based on a common love for archaeology but as harry's taste did not lie in that direction he sought neither monastery nor monk and although i had observed casually that i had a companion i had not thought it necessary to inform the holy monk of the existence of lola it was only after my fruitless appeal to harry that i mentioned the name of the half-caste siren to the dominican as a popular confessor in zacatecas he was likely to know something of the lady and a little timely knowledge of her peculiarities might enable me to rescue harry from her toils this then was the main reason for my visit and after a few words of courtesy i introduced the subject the pious horror with which fray benito received the name of lola served only to confirm my fears what is this you tell me don francisco said he severely have you been led astray by this daughter of evil no reverend sir i speak in the interest of my friend who is now in her toils god help him said the monk crossing himself she will lure him to death as she has lured others demon succuba would that the holy office were still in existence to burn thee to ashes who is she fray a demon signor have you not heard of the turquoise skull no what is the turquoise skull it is an instrument of evil possessed by this creature said fray benito with much energy the skull of a heathen king adorned with jewels and inhabited by evil spirits with it she works her devilries twelve men has she slain holy mary forbid that your friend should be the thirteenth you don't mean to say that she has murdered twelve men i demanded uneasily the attitude of the monk frightened me who knows how they die she lures them with her beauty and gives them the turquoise skull as a token then they perish how do they perish nay nee, signor i cannot tell you there is an unworthy brother of our order who was charmed by this succuba and fell away from his vows in due time as is her custom she gave him the turquoise skull he bore it to his cell and he was found next morning seated before it dead and the skull we sprinkled it with holy water and conjured the evil spirit who dwelt therein to depart but she came the accursed one and bore it away Ay, my son bolts and bars and stone walls could not keep her out of the house of the star she appeared like a demon in our midst and disappeared with the skull we buried fray anselm at midnight may his soul find peace at the conclusion of this story the friar betook himself to his prayers and his rosary and seeing that my presence was distasteful i left him to his devotions this was the first time i had heard of the turquoise skull but was to hear of it again within an hour this time it was from a leprero there was no connection between monk and vagabond yet both spoke of the same thing fate is fond of duplicating incidents my acquaintance with don francito diaz de gujalva so he styled himself began by my saving his life the leprero was crossing the road when a stallion beyond the control of its rider dashed round the corner had i not instinctively rushed forward and dragged don Ponchito out of harm's way assuredly he would have been trampled to death this he recognized for having devoutly crossed himself he shook his fist at the flying steed and advanced toward me with a lordly air i lay myself at your illustrious feet senor, said he in the stately spanish tongue you are my preserver all i have is yours the gift was no princely one for his whole wardrobe would have been purchased for half a crown his skin was as ingrained with dirt as were his clothes beyond a pair of leathern breeches a ragged shirt and a cloak he wore nothing worth mentioning save a tattered sombrero which he held in his hand during our interview with his evil eyes his shining teeth and his long matted hair he appeared to be anything but a desirable acquaintance but in no wise conscious of his defects he rolled a cigarette and straddled impudently before me a finer specimen of the jailbird i never beheld and as i was in no way desirous of continuing the acquaintance i muttered some acknowledgement of his words and turned to go this however he would not permit do my eyes deceive me said he stepping back a pace or do i indeed behold the renowned and noble signor don francisco who honours our city with his magnificent presence i admitted the identity and turned my back upon him as before but with no better result nay signor said he reproachfully you must allow don pancito diaz de gujalva to pay his debts i owe you my life permit me to save that of your illustrious friend what is that you say i ask considerably startled don enrique is devoted to lola tepiaca let him beware lest she give to him the turquoise skull that skull again what do you know about it everything your lordship was it not i who brought the skull to lola from the holy hermit felix who dwells in yonder mountains assuredly it was eh signor know you not that he who possesses the turquoise skull surely dies how does he die truly i know not signor it is said that a fiend who slays dwells within the skull but of the truth of this i know nothing four days was i carrying it from the hills yet still i am alive and lola who possesses it she is alive also the father of sin does not kill his best soldiers don francisco the demon who dwells within the skull permits her to live and to work harm yet added panchito raising a significant forefinger twelve has he slain beware signor and let not your illustrious friend take the love-gift lest he make the thirteenth and with this panchito took his departure while I hurried back to the hotel, filled with alarm at the danger hinted at by Fray Benito and the leprero, both had warned me in words almost identical against the turquoise skull. And although I was not sufficiently superstitious to believe in the existence of this demon, yet the assurance these twelve men had fallen victim to the skull resolved me to warn Harry against accepting it from Lola. But my information had been too late for when i opened the door there was the turquoise skull on the table and over it bent my friend the sight fitted in so dramatically with the stories i had heard that it was impossible to suppress an ejaculation of surprise harry looked up and laughed at my staring eyes and open mouth well old fellow he said cheerfully you look a bit off colour have you been sampling the wine of the country where in the name of heaven did you get that infernal thing i stammered oh this skull queer isn't it lola gave it to me i guessed as much give it back to her at once come now frank don't try me too far i thought we had settled all that this morning dropping into a chair without making a reply i stared at the blue object on the table it was a man's skull completely encrusted with rough turquoises save the cavities of the nose and eyes which were filled in with durango rubies these red and jewelled orbs glittered in so uncanny a fashion as to cause me to suspect the presence of tinfoil i am fairly self-controlled but when i remembered how that gruesome skull with its blue scalp and winking eyes had caused in some unknown way the death of twelve men I own that I was unnerved. Shaking and white, I clutched the table, whilst Harry eyed me in angry surprise. "'What the deuce is the matter, Frank? This skull will cause your death. Give it back to Lola.' "'The sun has been too strong for you,' said Harry, with a clouded face. "'Go and lie down for an hour.' He was about to lift the skull when I sprang up from my chair and dragged him back. "'Don't touch it, Harry. Fray Benito says—' oh so that old monk has been gossiping to you about lola has he when i said that you knew him she told me how he hated her did she mention how this turquoise skull brought about the death of a priest no nor would i have believed it if she had how can this dead thing kill any man at all events it has killed twelve fray benito again yes and not only he a lepero i met with but an hour ago spoke with horror of that skull and of its owner this is becoming interesting said harry drawing his chair close to mine tell me what they say frank glad of the opportunity i recounted the conversations of fray benito and the lepero harry listened attentively but made no remark until i had finished then he shrugged his shoulders and laughed i never heard such nonsense in my life said he disdainfully it is a wonder to me how a sensible man like yourself can swallow such monstrous fables twelve men killed by that skull twelve fiddlesticks it is merely a curious relic of a bygone civilization the head of some old aztec or toltec king embalmed and encrusted with gems a hermit who knew lola long before he retired from the world sent it to her as a present then why does she give it to you there is some secret connected with it which she has asked me to discover if possible look here he handed me a slip of paper on which were two lines written in spanish having a fair knowledge of the language and a capacity for rhyme i improvised upon them an english couplet find out my secret and then you shall win eternal happiness from that within "'In allusion to the beatitude of the victims, no doubt,' said I bitterly. "'Who is the author of these lines?' "'The hermit who sent the skull to Lola,' replied Harry, taking back the paper. "'She cannot discover the secret, so she has asked me to try.' "'I trust it will not cost you dear, Harry.' "'Nonsense! What possible harm can this skull do to me? Look at it. It won't bite you.' taking no heed of his flippancy i closely examined the bone of contention the stones were roughly embedded in a kind of cement and some were missing while the base was fashioned crudely of unpolished wood externally there was no evidence to show that this ghastly object was of a harmful nature yet so influenced was i by the warnings of the monk and the leperov that i still regarded it with horror for over an hour i discussed with harry the advisability of having nothing to do with lola or her barbarous curiosity but my efforts were vain for he obstinately refused to restore the thing to its owner until he had discovered its secret wearied out by continuous expostulation i ceased to argue further and let him carry it to his bedroom after all i might be wrong i must admit that the stories told by fray benito and don poncito were improbable so that it was not surprising that a prosaic young man such as harry should despise them an imaginative strain inherited from highland ancestors led me to accept with less hesitation these romances of a semi-civilized race nevertheless harry's scepticism was not without its effect upon me and i retired to rest a trifle ashamed of my championship but in the morning when i entered his bedroom the turquoise skull was on the table and seated before it fully dressed was my poor friend dead the number of victims was now thirteen part two there is no need to dilate upon my profound grief harry carstone had been my closest friend at oxford as at eton constant companionship had bound us together by no common ties and his unexpected death fell heavily upon me i knew that it would fall more heavily still upon the old couple at carstone hall to them i wrote all the details of the death and burial and then i addressed myself to the task of punishing lola whom i regarded as the indirect cause of the tragedy it is at this point that i assume the principal role i have mentioned the funeral as having taken place at zacatecas for although i wished to have the corpse embalmed for transmission to england such a course proved to be quite out of the question whatever the cause of death was and i was utterly unable to determine it the state of the body was such as to necessitate a hasty interment in twenty-four hours the remains of my poor friend were committed to the earth and i returned from the funeral to take the turquoise skull to lola and to compel her to confess by what means it had killed harry to my surprise the skull was gone a e signora had come explained the landlord and had awaited the return of don francisco in the sitting-room but after a time she had changed her mind and departed i had no doubt that it was lola who had visited my hotel for the purpose of recovering the turquoise skull so long as it remained in her possession i could not hope to solve the mystery of harry's death and how to get it back i could not think that the woman would dare to approach the scene of her crime angered me greatly and confirmed my determination to remain for retributive justice in turn fray benito and the lepero commiserated with me but i took neither into my confidence the first a religious recluse could be of no possible assistance whilst i more than suspected the other of having an understanding with her whom i designed to punish above all was it important that i should regain possession of this turquoise skull if i could arrive at the secret hinted at in the couplet i might succeed in discovering the cause of the thirteen deaths and so bring lola within the clutches of the law if legal measures proved unavailing i intended myself to mete out justice she had killed harry and i would kill her this savage resolve entirely foreign to my nature was the result of the terrible tragedy of the previous week in some way i was determined to avenge the death of my friend informed by panchito that it was lola's invariable custom to request her lovers to solve the secret of the skull i hoped by becoming one of these to secure the instrument of her crimes ignorant as i was of the way in which the thing accomplished its mission there was the chance that i too might lose my life but such a contingency did not deter me from prosecuting my design with great care i might come off harmless and even did i not i hoped before dying to destroy the skull so that its list of victims should terminate with my death thus prepared for good or evil i called upon lola whom i found in the garden in a grass hammock with her usual accessories of fan and cigarette she exhibited no signs of confusion or fear but with an audacity which revolted me she openly lamented the death of harry an accident she termed it as though she did not know full well the hideous truth alas signore that i should have given don henrique the turquoise shell, she cried with feigned sorrow but i knew not that it would cause his death yet you had experience to go upon signora lola closed her fan with a snap and became alive to the situation what say you don francisco those twelve friends of yours who who died said lola unfurling her fan with unnecessary violence and what of that am i responsible for their deaths truly no why should i slay those who love me oh yes senor i know well that fey benito has been talking Sucobar, sorceress demon those are the words ever on his lips when he speaks of me true enough that turquoise skull has gained for you no enviable reputation and therefore it is only a skull but one that kills don panchito ah you know him that scamp she interrupted hastily he could have prevented all these deaths for he knows the secret of the skull i do not hence i have asked those who loved me to discover it they have died and so i bear the blame but it is all panchito's fault he procured the skull from fray felix i believe yes signor he has been talking i see tell me she said curiously do you think that a demon dwells within the skull you know best signora nay don francisco you talk foolishly i am quite in ignorance of the matter the skull is a dead thing it cannot slay nevertheless it does slay ay she answered with a shrug but how i know not why not destroy it i dare not said she in a frightened whisper it is the head of a dead king who knows what curses the dead may send nay i shall not destroy it all i wish is to discover its secret but alas i cannot and they who to aid me have sought this knowledge have perished let me try signora thou Don no no thirteen have died in the quest let there be no more think of your poor friend ah me how i have wept at his fate this affected sorrow and feigned ignorance did not deceive me i saw that in truth she was overjoyed at my offer but feared to accept it too readily lest she might fall into a trap when i thought of how she had caused harry's death i could have slain her then and there but i determined to punish her in a more deliberate fashion i therefore persisted in my offer and after much hesitation she accepted it descending to the patio with the skull under my cloak I heard a low laugh of satisfaction. It was Lola, rejoicing over her success in adding a fourteenth victim to her list. Today to you, tomorrow to me, muttered I to myself. On the way to my hotel, I met with Don Panchito. He planted himself in my way, and catching sight of the skull, he touched it significantly with his finger. Does Lola wish you also to die? said he give it back don francisco there is death under those blue stones not if you tell me the secret panchito most illustrious signor you saved my life and i would most willingly save yours but i swear by the virgin that i know not the secret who says so lies then lola lies panchito twirled his cigarette with a contemptuous smile he had evidently a bad opinion of the lady does she do aught else but lie your worship and what says she of the skull very little but she asked me to search for a spring which opens it exactly signor she is too wise to search for the spring herself there you are wrong she has done so and failed the lepero looked at me dubiously my unaccountable defence of lola led him to mistake my feelings towards her do you love lola nay nee, panchito i abhor the witch i take this skull to learn its secret i hope to punish her for slaying my friend good did i know the secret the knowledge would be yours but you are as wise as i signor yet this much i can speak in searching for the spring should you feel pain or see blood you die before i could demand an explanation panchito folded his cloak about him and disappeared he had a way of coming and going which savoured of magic. On this occasion I resented his unexpected vanishment, for it struck me that he hinted more than he chose to tell. However, his advice was worth taking, and when I unpacked the skull in my sitting-room, I was particularly careful to handle it lightly. The angelus was ringing before I could persuade myself into attempting the solution of this problem before proceeding to an examination i laid an axe on the table for if all the other means failed i was resolved to smash open the skull and thus roughly end the mystery thus prepared i sat down and gently fingered the turquoise scalp in search of the spring my sense of touch is unusually delicate but though i felt line after line of the gemstones i could find no projecting knob to press failing so far i examined the ruby eyes the wooden base and lastly the ruby nose the gems of this latter were particularly irregular in their setting being ambidexter i held the skull with my right hand and pressed hard with the forefinger of the left suddenly i felt a thrill of pain and withdrew my finger to see a tiny globule of blood swelling on the tip in an instant i remembered panchito's warning it explained itself blood poisoning that very instant i chopped off my forefinger with the axe before the venom had time to pass the middle joint and with my maimed hand wrapped in a handkerchief i raced out of the hotel in search of a doctor when i returned white with pain and loss of blood i found the room occupied lola frowning and surprised stood looking at the severed finger on the table she had come to survey my body and to recover the skull my unexpected entrance caused her to utter an ejaculation but whether of regret of wrath or of surprise merely i was too perturbed to notice you see i am still alive signora and i know now how my poor friend died you know also you infamous creature why did you cut it off she stammered still looking at the severed finger to save my life else would i now be dead and you would have taken back your accursed turquoise skull until you invade a new victim within your toils but this ends it no more shall die before she could guess my intent i took up the axe and with one stroke cleaved the skull in twain lola screamed and hid her face from the interior of the accursed thing poured a glittering stream of jewels diamonds rubies sapphires all kinds of gems tinkled out on to the table and rapped like small-shot on to the floor the spanish woman stood aghast at the sight with a pious exclamation she stooped to pick them up no i cried no wretch look here not there i thrust forward the right hemisphere of the skull and displayed the wicked mechanism of the interior a snake's fang concealed at the back of the nose curved itself to the surface and finally emerged between two rubies at the least pressure this spike keen as a thorn injected venom this collected in a small bag was attached to the root of the fang so that the poison could trickle drop by drop to the deadly point never was there so ingeniously fiendish an invention and i wondered what devil could have designed it felix she gasped looking white and sick he then intended my death ah what mercy that i touched not the evil thing it was a pity you did not said i savagely for then thirteen men might be alive still i did not know of this signor i swear i did not felix loved me and fled to a hermitage because i loved another he sent me the turquoise skull as a gift saying that i should find eternal happiness if i succeeded in opening it i was afraid senor i thought there was danger and so i touched not the thing and asked my friends to open it but you don francisco have discovered the secret i at the cost of my friend's life and my own finger leave those jewels i added as she again bent to pick them up they are mine she cried defiantly felix sent them to me he sent you death not jewels i retorted angered at her heartlessness leave them you shall not take one with you she looked wrathfully at the floor and then at me i was determined to punish her for her callousness but i saw that i should have to resort to strong measures to do so out you infamous creature out lola saw the barrel of my revolver pointed at her and with a gasp of terror she fled from the room that was the last i saw of her I took the skull and jewels to Fray Benito and told him my story. He did not evince much astonishment at it. Being a Mexican and a confessor, he was well aware of the devilments of his countrymen. "'I knew this Felix,' he said gravely. He was a wild and reckless youth, and he vowed to punish this daughter of sin for her treatment of him. He became a recluse, and while in the mountains, he discovered a cave wherein the Aztecs laid their dead chiefs this is the skull of some mummy adorned and packed with gems after their barbarous fashion but the poisonous fang fray no doubt felix placed it there for his revenge he judged that the evil woman would take his advice and press the skull to find the supposed spring one touch of that fang and she would die but she was too cunning to venture don francisco from her knowledge of the cinder's character she suspected danger and so she let others die for her and the jewels felix probably found them in the cave of the dead they were of no use to him doubtless he placed them in the cavity of the skull to embitter the dying moments of her he hated i don't understand see si, you senor felix concluded that lola tepiaca would touch the snake tooth and thus open the skull and meet her death at the same time knowing her greed it would be an additional pang for her to see these jewels which she could not live to enjoy what a fiendish idea ay my son human nature is very wicked do you intend to keep the jewels no i answered with a shudder they would constantly remind me of my poor friend's death you can make what use of them you please father yet i shall keep a few with which to reward panchito without whose warning i had now been dead fray benito accepted the gift and now our lady of the star possesses a fine necklace of variegated gems which is the wonder of all visitors they would wonder still more did they but know the history attached to it i could do nothing to punish lola further than depriving her of the jewels the mexican lawyer to whom i submitted the case assured me that the evidence was too indefinite to prove her guilty on moral grounds she surely merited death but legally speaking she was as assuredly innocent so she escaped with her life i often wonder whether she went to the cave of felix to cajole him into giving her fresh gems if she did i have no doubt he killed her a man capable of inventing such a death trap as the turquoise skull would not hesitate to do what it had failed to accomplish once again i heard of lola it was from don Panchito who accompanied me to the railway station on the day i left zacatecas it is just as well you are going Signor," said he significantly lola is wild at the loss of the turquoise skull and its jewels she asked me to knife you but i refused did you not save my life and have you not given me precious stones still Signor, others may not feel as i do and the cursed woman may cause you to lose your life as well as your finger I quite believed it. A woman who could doom thirteen men to death for the gratification of her curiosity would not stick at putting the fourteenth out of the way. I have often regretted I did not shoot her at our last interview and so rid the world of a demon. But if she is in existence, the turquoise skull is not. Neither is the forefinger of my left hand. End of story four.